0: This is Reverend John Ferrett, and we're now in Lesson 59 in the series, The Gospel According to Moses, Genesis. We're going to focus in on one verse, one verse, Genesis 25, verse 11. It came about after the death of Abraham, and we just finished three sessions Lesson 56, 57, and 58 on a eulogy to Abraham. Amazing look at his life and to answer the question, why did God pick him? So again, back to verse 11, it came about after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son Yitzhak, we know it as Isaac, and Yitzhak, Isaac, lived by Bi'er Lachai Roy, And God blessed Isaac. God blessed Isaac in the same way that God blessed Abraham. But on top of that, we go to Genesis 26, 4. God is speaking to Isaac. And he says, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven, the same way he promised his dad. And will give your descendants all these lands. And by your descendants, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because Abraham obeyed me and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So, we could say, <laughs> like father, like son. The rabbis have an expression for this today, and the expression in Hebrew is, Ma'asei avot sinam banim. The deeds of the fathers are signs or predictions or portents for the sons. Rambam, and that is Maimonides in the Middle Ages, we think was the first rabbi who ever really taught this. He has a different slight spin on it in terms of actually reading the original Hebrew from his commentary on Genesis. His commentary or his statement is Ma What happens to the fathers is a sign to the sons or a prediction for the sons. So it's very interesting. So just as Abraham was given promises of God so too Isaac. But there's more. For instance, just as Abraham obeyed God and left his family Didn't even say anything. He just went. So too Isaac, as we're going to see obey God, and did not leave the land where he was living, despite the fact there was a severe, terrible famine in the land. So what we're going to see here in Lesson 59 is the greatness of Isaac. Because, like father, like son... The lives of the fathers are portents for the son. I really believe the rabbis probably saw this, maybe even here, with Abraham and Isaac, and how it continues as a concept in the Hebrew Scriptures. So sometimes we really think that uh, Isaac is a minor character uh, in the Bible. i just give you an example. I was doing a quick survey and I found that there's 207 verses where the name Abraham or Avram actually appears in the Hebrew Scriptures or the Old Testament. 207. For Isaac, 106. Half! And this is just one of several things that kind of give us the impression that Isaac is a minor character. I mean, there's only a couple of chapters on Isaac, really in the entire torah that we're going to be reading about but what we're going to see and this is not the case we already have in previous lessons we've seen some amazing connections of yitzhak to yeshua isaac to jesus go back to lessons 54 and 55 in this series this genesis series And you'll be able to review those amazing connections. As a matter of fact, I linked those lessons for you in the session introduction at the website. So if you went to the website, lightofmenorah.org, and looked under the picture for session 59, which we're in right now, uh, you'll be able to see the introduction, some of the introductory comments I have. Uh, prior to the actual play button and in there I have the links. Those of you that are listening by an app, maybe you're um, on iTunes or maybe on a Google app of some kind or maybe even using Podbean, when you actually uh, do that on your phone or your um, uh, pad, you'll be able to see uh, words like show more or uh, see more or something like that where you can actually go into uh, that introduction and find that link. So, when Jesus says in John 5, 39, that all scripture testifies of him, (laughs) all scripture, and at that time when he said it, all they had was the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures. And so, as we take a look at at Jesus' teaching, as we take a look, especially at the Torah, we should see him and we will see it. We're gonna see it in the life of Isaac. Indeed, the connections to Jesus are amazing. You can't ignore them. Indeed, it really seems like the rabbi saw the amazing truths of Ma Shera Laavot Sinam Le The events in the lives of the fathers are signs or portents or predictions for the sons so for us now we see jesus in torah we're going to continue to see him in torah just like he said so come let's go study I'm now in the Fox translation of the Torah, and I'm in Genesis 25 and verse 11. Now, this really surprised me because I was preparing, studying a couple of weeks ago. And so I said, okay, we'll start here because we finished really up to Genesis 25:10. So in Genesis 25:11, this is what I read. Now, it was after Abraham's death that God blessed Yitzhak, his son, And Yitzhak settled by the well of the living one who sees me. And all of a sudden, I was just, wait a minute, Yitzhak, God blessed Yitzhak, his son, or Isaac, his son. And that just opened the floodgates on a whole bunch of thoughts that I would like to share with you tonight. Because when we take a look at Isaac, you guys, we're so familiar with these these events, okay, Isaac and Jacob and... Um, the, 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 the Akita of uh, Isaac, the binding of Isaac on the mountain, they, the events are so familiar to us, we basically say Isaac seems to be this kind of unimportant guy. I mean, really think about it. He's stuck between Abraham and Jacob. Okay? You say, Abraham, look at all the things that happened to him, all the things that he's involved in. Okay? Sodom and Gomorrah, rescuing Lot, all this type of stuff. Jacob oh my goodness okay the deception of his father going to Haran wanting to marry Rachel but he doesn't get Rachel he gets Leah so then he gets Rachel later on then he's and Laban is cheating him all the time then he comes back Esau wants it goes on and on and on all these and here's Isaac okay his name doesn't even change his dad has a name change okay his son Jacob has a name change Isaac nothing okay he's got one wife no issues Okay, not like Abraham, not like Jacob. Okay, Ay ay. ay. He settles in one place. He doesn't go anywhere. I mean, the man's not a traveling man. Abraham and Jacob are all over the place. He never leaves the promised land. Boring, okay? And he has no major adventures. Real, realistically, he's got this problem with wells. We'll deal with... Not a big deal, okay? That's a problem with wells, okay? Okay. Um, So he does not seem to be this really exciting guy. However, I think that there's more to him than meets the eye. Because of that one verse, when all of a sudden it said, God blessed Isaac. And he said, wait a minute. God blessed Isaac and God blessed Abraham. I said, that's interesting. So let me share with you some interesting thoughts on Isaac. Don't get me wrong. Okay. He didn't travel much. He stayed in one place. He had one wife. Not two weird kids, Jacob and Esau. Okay, they're both problematic. Okay, but and the problem with wells, not a big deal. Okay. However, I'm going to jump now to Genesis 26, 1 through 6. Genesis 26, 1 through 6. So again, in the Fox translation. I'm reading. So this is the first thing I want you to consider. Isaac is more than, I th- more than we thought. In Genesis 26, 1 through 6, we read, Now there was a famine in the land, aside from the former famine, which there had been in the days of Abraham. So Yitzhak went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, to Gerar. And by the way, when I read this stuff, remember Fox is trying to give, or he writes the names in the original Hebrew. So when I say Avraham, yours is Abraham. And when I say Yitzhak, okay, you know it's Isaac. So I'm pronouncing it the way it was pronounced in Hebrew. And Yahweh, uh, and so your Bible would say, and the Lord, okay, probably saw him. I'm, I'm guessing that, or maybe Adonai, but here it's Yahweh. So, I mean, this is, he's trying to get the original Hebrew here. So Yahweh had seen, <coughs> seen by him and said, do not go down to Egypt. continue to dwell in the land that I tell you of? Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you, and I will give you a blessing. For to you and to your seed I will give all these lands, and will fulfill the sworn oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I will make your seed many, like the stars of the heavens, and to your seed I will give all these lands. All the nations of the earth shall enjoy blessing through your seed, in consequence of Abraham's hearkening to my voice and keeping my charge, my commandments, my laws, and my instructions, which is really interesting. I won't comment on that. What laws? What commandments? No commandments have been given, so what are we talking about here? So there's a real interesting debate, and uh, you might say study, as to what that really means. We're going to leave it go for the matter, because I'm going down a different route. So, Yitzhak stayed in Gerar. Now, this is fascinating, because if we take a look at 26, and we take a look at Genesis 12, we see some correlations. One, okay, God said go. No, not go, he said stay okay and he said sojourn um do not go down to egypt continue to dwell in the land that i will tell you of that's the hebrew and remember god said to abraham go to the land that i will show you so this is this is fascinating in other words god's going to show isaac the more of the extent of what israel is actually going to be he may not see the whole thing so here's the point though there's a famine there's no food. People are going to die. Okay. This is not just a, a problem with crops or something. You know, we had a, you know, a problem with the wheat crop this year. No, this, this is a famine. He's got children. Is it possible from a chronological point of view that Jacob and Esau are small? Maybe they're babies or maybe they're five, six years. We don't know what age they are, but he's got a wife and he's got kids. You know, they're going to die. So he's going to take off. That's what he wanted to do. And somehow God uh, confronts him and says, don't leave and I will bless you. Now, Isaac, if we read the text, he doesn't say a word. And he obeys. Now, if we think about Genesis 12, in Genesis 12, God comes to Abraham and says, I want you to go to a land I will show you and you continue on, and Abraham says nothing. Not a word, not a peep. And he goes, wait a minute, Isaac is like his dad. This is, this is amazing. Just like Abraham. Now, what's significant here is this. I want to go to Genesis 15, 6. Now, let me set this up for you in... Uh, Genesis 15, if you remember, this was the situation where you had the torch, okay, and the oven passed through the pieces of the animals cut, that's, that's this, okay? But at the beginning of the chapter, in Genesis 15:6, it says, again to the Fox translation, now he trusted in Yahweh and he deemed it as righteous merit on his part. Now your Bible might say he believed in God and it was counted to him as righteousness, okay? The Hebrew there is vehi amin beyave veyak sheveah lo sedeka. So there the Hebrew word is vehi amin and it comes from the Hebrew word uh, uh, aman. And aman basically means to stay up, be unshaken, to lean upon... Or trust. Believe is also the word, but it has more of the aspect of leaning. Okay? In other words, in this verse, Abraham is leaning on God. He is trusting in God. Christians say, or you might hear in the Christian church, what's really going on here is is Abraham believed that God existed. That's what's going on. No, he already believed in God existed in Genesis 12. So that's not an issue. So something else has to be going on. And the Torah specifically says he trusted in God. Okay, he trusted that what God said is going to happen. And that is what counted him as righteousness. Notice this idea of doing again. But like what Jesus said, endure in my word, persistent, do it live it don't just study it do my word in all aspects of your life and then you'll be my disciples so this is repetitive this is interesting because what jesus is teaching this is torah okay so abraham trusted that god that what god said god meant and he acted on it and now isaac he hears god and he stays in canaan in the area there in gerar even though there's a famine. And he says, I'm going to trust what God says. Yahweh said he's going to bless me. And it's interesting because we would basically say, vehi amin, Yahweh, he trusted in God. He He didn't say anything. He just obeyed. Now, this is interesting. This is at 26. There's a famine, right? And he stays. He stays in a place called Gerar. Now, just as an aside... To give you a perspective, if you ever look at an Israeli map and you look at southern Israel towards the coast, you'll see Gaza. And from Gaza, you can go into the interior of Israel, not very far, and you'll find a fairly big city called Beersheba. And that comes from the Bible, Okay, the well of the oath. And the ancient city of Beersheba is outside the modern city. There's a gigantic archaeological park that you can actually visit but in that area, this flat area, there is a, um, a dry riverbed, but it's not a riverbed. It's only full of water when it rains during the rainy season. It's called a wadi. It's called a Nahal. In Hebrew, nachal. Uh, in Arabic, wadi. Okay? And the name of the wadi is Gerar. So there wasn't a city called Gerar. There's an area. Okay, And you would say, that makes sense. Why not live near the wadi? Because that's going to be where good farmland is going to be. Because as the floods come and the water is in the wadi, finally dries out, you still have all of that water in that area. So in and around Gerar, you're going to find very good, fruit, uh, very good soil. So anyway, he stays in Gerar. So when he does that, but let's take a look what happens in Genesis 26... In verses 12 through 13. So in Genesis 26, verses 12 through 13, we read this. So this must be shortly thereafter. Yitzhak sowed in that land and reaped that year a hundredfold. Whoa. Thus did Yahweh bless him. Did Yahweh say he was going to bless him? Yes. And here's the verse. In verse 12, it happened. This guy's loaded. He's got food. He's got crops. He's got herds. He's got... um, So he becomes exceedingly great and went on and became even greater until he was exceedingly great or is exceedingly rich. Matter of fact, the Philistines envied him so much, they said, get out of here. Okay? So... For him, Rebekah and the boys, Jacob and Esau, they have abundance. Now, it's interesting because he's trusting in God just like his dad. This is looking at the character of Isaac. Now, remember, in lesson two, in this term, that we talked about an interesting correlation between Isaac and Rebekah and Jesus and the church. Remember that? Okay. It's a very interesting correlation. Rebekah was a picture of the bride. Isaac was the bridegroom, and that's true. That's exactly what's going on. So Isaac, it seems, not seems to be, there's an interesting connection between Isaac and Jesus and Rebekah and the church. We went through that. So Isaac and his, he and his bride are blessed with abundance by Adonai, okay? Both together, this, this couple is blessed. And what does Jesus say? I, I find this interesting. Again, we go to that correlation. We have Isaac, we have a Rebecca, and we talk about Jesus. Let's see what he says in John 10, verses 7 through 10. In John 10, verses 7 through 10, and I'm reading from the New American Standard. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and go uh, out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and life more abundantly. I find that really interesting because our bridegroom is saying, I have come to give life and life more abundantly. Here's Isaac, obviously trusting God. And he, by his trust, was able to be blessed by God. So his bride and his children after that would have life and and really abundant life. Because it says he was very rich. And in John 17, 13 through 20, but now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in thems, uh, themselves. I have given them your word. So this is Jesus talking to his Father about his disciples. I speak in the, uh, I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in thems, uh, themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do, ask, do not ask you to take them out of the world but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth, your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who believe in me through their word. That's us. That they may all be one, even as you, Father, and are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. What's interesting in here is Jesus is talking about protection. Father, protect them. They're in the world, and they're going to be made in the world. And so, But here's what Jesus is talking about. He's not only talking about an abundant life, but he's talking about protection. Now, the one thing that's clear, he's not talking about you're going to be rich. Okay? You don't have to go to Jesus and say, I want, you know, Alexis. He I mean, doesn't do that. So it's an abundant life, but an abundant life in here with a whole different perspective. The the worldview is different, and even protection. It's not protection from cancer. It's not. As a matter of fact, I know of a dear sister in the Lord. Right now, she's dying of cancer. Okay, she's got stage four cancer. Uh, she was with me in the Middle East uh, last year, and she's still teaching science. She's still going to school every day to teach. I, I find that. Unbelievable. God is doing something to her because her, she is a witness to these high school kids. What a witness that she is, trusting in God and actually going to school with stage four cancer. Amazing. So this is the protection I think it is. God is giving her everything that she needs, an abundance, so that she can continue to be a witness to those high school kids and have the strength to do that. That's amazing. So again here, when we take a look at Isaac, God is displaying he's the same then and now. So when Jesus, these verses about what Jesus says, it's in the Torah. This is God. There's the constancy of God throughout his word. So it's interesting. Isaac is more than we thought. Let's go to another verse and take a look at another aspect of Isaac. I'm in Genesis 25, 19 through 21. Genesis 25, 19 through 21. And again from the Fox translation. Now these are the begettings of Yitzhak, son of Avraham. Avraham begot Yitzhak. Yitzhak was 40 years old when he took Rivka, daughter of Bethuel, the Armenian From the country of Aram, sister of Lavan, the Armenian, for himself as a wife. Yitzhak entreated Yahweh on behalf of his wife, for she was barren, and Yahweh granted his entreaty. Rivka, uh, his wife, became pregnant. Isaac is 40 years old, and it's very familiar to us that the boys are born when he's 60. I mean, the Torah is so clear on that. But in verse 21, he prayed for Rebekah. Now, what's interesting, I'm actually going to take the orthodox commentary, uh, the interlinear chumash, because they go into the actual meaning of the word, okay, when we talk about uh, that verse where it says, Yitzhak entreated Yahweh on behalf of his wife, okay, and that makes sense, that's fairly clear. Yitzhak entreated Yahweh on behalf of his wife. The word there, the key word, is atod. The root of atod means abundance. So the implication then is, the sense of the verse is that Isaac prayed abundantly for Rebekah. Okay? And this is a good comment because that's exactly what it means. I checked out the root. So I just want to let you know, the Orthodox, are, they're right on here. Okay, So he had prayed abundantly. On top of that, this this gets interesting because what I want to read to you is the rest of the story from the 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 uh, orthodox rabbinical opinion, okay? And then go to a real scholar to show you that these guys are close, but they kind of took they kind of took the Hebrew and made up a story. So let me tell you the story they made up. Now first of all, the first part is is right. The atod Okay. Basically means abundance. So in other words, Yitzhak prayed abundantly, a lot. Okay. So he prayed abundantly for Rebecca and now listen to this. And she simultaneously prayed on her own. It doesn't say that. Okay. Hang on to this. This This is cool. He was opposite her in the sense that he stood in one corner of the house And she stood at the other corner, and they both prayed. doesn't say that. He knew that he would have children. Why? Because God said so. That's correct. Okay, he knew it. Because God had promised that Abraham's destiny would be fulfilled through Isaac's offspring. But he begged God that the blessing be realized through the worthy woman who stood opposite him. It doesn't say that, okay? Now, if I was teaching this and said, could it be, I would say, could it be, is it possible, okay, that he already knew he was going to have children? Could it be he's praying for Rebecca that she be the one, you know, that he did not have to have a concubine come in like, you know, Hagar and Sarah, you know, because he remembers the situation with his dad. But these guys said, no, that's exactly what he prayed for. So you can see how the, rabbi, the Orthodox rabbis are doing this. I'll come back to that in just a little bit. But the point is, the Hebrew does say that there was an abundant prayer. Now the question is, he's 40 years old here. Rebecca has the boys when, she's, when he's 60. That's 20 years. Did he pray for her for 20 years? We don't know, because the Torah doesn't say it. I don't want to put words in the Torah's mouth. But I would imagine he prayed probably on a regular basis for his wife. Abundantly. Now this is interesting because this is something Abraham did not do for Sarah. So who's the better husband? Abraham or Isaac? That's a real question. Abraham didn't do it. Isaac did. That's a characteristic of Isaac that is different than his dad. Now, Dr. Kareed, who is a Christian evangelical scholar, an Egyptologist, and theologian, and again, I told you that I use his commentary on the Torah. In his commentary on the Torah, he said the Hebrew does talk about praying abundantly. Okay, But he says also it has the connotation of praying in front of Rebekah. He said, that he, now, it doesn't say that, but that's the grammar. Okay, he said, you have to understand Hebrew grammar. So it's as if, okay, the Hebrew is suggesting from a scholarly point of view, using correct words, that he prayed in front, in front of Rebekah, and Rebekah heard her husband and saw him pray for her on a regular basis. Now, remember, is saying here that the Hebrew suggests that Isaac prayed in front of Rebecca in that position. Do you remember what the rabbi said? They said basically the same thing, right? And they said, well, Rebecca was praying too, and Isaac was praying in one corner of the house, and Rebecca was in the other corner, in front of her, you see? So they understand the Hebrew, but they went a little deeper. Okay? So... It's interesting when you take a look at the rabbis, and I thank Dennis Prager for this. Dennis Prager said, when you study the Orthodox rabbis, please understand their statements, okay? They may not agree with, you might say, uh, things that are not, they may say things that are not there. They're putting words in the Torah's mouth, okay? But they're making a point, Okay and making the point that he prayed abundantly and prayed in front of her. And that's what the Hebrew is saying, but it doesn't say that she was in one corner of the house and Isaac was in the other, okay? So we have to balance that off. So I don't use the Orthodox commentary a lot, but I used it today because I wanted to uh, show you that, that difference. Anyway, this guy's an amazing guy. He's got characteristics that his dad doesn't have. Once again, let's take a look at that interesting connection. Isaac is the bridegroom. Rebecca is the bride. We said there's an interesting connection as we did in lesson 2 that Yeshua is the bridegroom like Isaac and Rebecca is the bride like the church. And what does Jesus do for his bride? Hmm, let's go to Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. What does the Messiah, what does our bridegroom do for his bride? So in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, we read this. Therefore he, meaning Jesus, he is able also to save forever those who draw near to God through him. Here it is, listen to this. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus prays for you, wow. And remember what I said in lesson two, a couple of weeks back, this correlation or this connection or this looking at Isaac as Jesus and Rebecca as the church, this, it's interesting. Okay, The Torah does not say this is Jesus, this is the Messiah, and So, but it is very interesting to see those connections. Then you go to Romans 8.34. I won't go there. You can write it down. But in Romans 8.34, it talks about Messiah, the Christ, intercedes for us. He intercedes. So he is praying for us. Our bridegroom is praying for his bride. So we're like Rebecca. We're like the bride. Jesus is the bridegroom like Isaac. And once again, we see the constancy... Of Adonai. And we also see there's more to this guy Isaac than kind of meets the eye. After that study it's so clear Jesus wants us to see him in the Torah. He wants us he wants us to see him in all the Hebrew Scriptures the Old Testament. He said that. He taught it. In John 5 39 All scripture testifies of him. Isaac prayed for his bride. (laughs) Here's an event in the life of one of the patriarchs, one of the fathers, you might say, of both Judaism and Christianity, Isaac. And so, indeed we say, ma shera, la'avot, sinam lebanim the events in the life of the fathers are signs for the sons Isaac prayed for his bride and so too Jesus is our bridegroom and prays for us ha! And truly we have to agree with Maimonides his nickname is Rambam as he's known when he first taught that that indeed the events in the lives of the fathers are Signs for the sons. Signs in the witness of Jesus. Now in lesson 60, we're going to continue our study of Isaac. We're going to look at a third major aspect of his greatness. Like his father. Remember, like father, like son. And again, it's going to bring us all the way to Jesus. Jesus. And to us, it's going to bring us all the way to the bridegroom and the bride. So until Lesson 60, I wish you Shalom.